2: The following program is sponsored by Abernethy and Hagerman, LLC. And welcome to Bisburg. I'm your host, Gary Dixon. And on the program today, we have Jay Hagerman and Dan Reimer from Abernethy and Hagerman. Welcome, guys, back to Bisburg. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. How are you? Very good. So before we get into today's topic... Which is on probate. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. Let's get just again a, a thumbnail on who you are and your business, and then we'll move on to the top ten
0: probate mistakes. Sure. So we're a you know, kind of a boutique law firm. We do estates, trust, and elder law and estate planning up in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, but we cover um, you know all the counties in Western Pennsylvania. I've been up to Erie and down to Greene County. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been all over the place.
2: Today, I I find it interesting you've uh, given me this list. It's on the top ten probate mistakes that we're going to cover. But before we cover that and get into those top ten mistakes, I have to ask a
0: simple question. What is probate? Yeah, so probate is a word that's derived from a Latin word that means to prove or to publish, and gen- generally that means a, a will or a last will and testament. You prove or to publish the decedent's last will and testament. So that that probate process, also known as a state administration, um, you know, pretty much covers that. That goal is when someone passes away, what happens with their their will and then the assets that are subject to that will.
2: And we hear about having to go into probate uh, in cases of people not having wills, and uh, that's a kind of a long and expensive process, isn't it?
0: Well, whether you or do or you hand. don't have a will, I guess it's a probate process, or it's state administration. Right. Um, if you die without a will, you just get the government's rule book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have your own will, then you get your rule book. Okay. Uh, so, but I mean, they are interchangeably used. Um, you know, theoretically, one's called a state administration, one's called probate, but... Well, let's get into the top ten probate mistakes. What's number one? Yeah, Dan did such a good job last time with his David Letterman style. I came up with my own. (laughs) So, um, you know, the the first one's kind of a no brainer, Um, and the number one, you know, number one, and these are no no order particularly, um, is uh, allowing unmonitored access to your loved loved one's home who had just passed away. So when a decedent passes away, um, obviously you know there's a significant emotional um, deluge of, of feelings and stuff like that because of the the, the care that we have for that loved one. Um, but sometimes, whenever you know your loved one passes away, some of the the things in the house, the tangible items, tend to disappear whenever
1: <laughs> whenever
0: family comes in. Um, in all of these top ten mistakes I've seen, or I have real life examples. I've been doing this for about a decade, and I've seen every single thing. So sometimes there's the Hummel collection, or the you know the, the prized deer hunting rifle that you got the prize buck with in Western PA. Sure, certainly we have that um, stamp collections, coins. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they – sometimes they disappear whenever the family comes in and comes out. So allowing you know unmonitored access to a, a decedent's uh, house at, right after death or even during the process is generally not a, a good thing to have happen. Gosh, I, I think like who are these people?
2: I mean, I've never dealt with that, and I don't think that anyone in my family would be like that. But that does
0: go on, doesn't it? Well, there's a saying where there's a will, there's a way. And the reality is when there's a will and someone's dead, there's someone trying to take something. Wow. (laughs) And it's it's sad, but it's true. And and that's why we have jobs. Uh, It's good to know that that's something you should be thinking about, taking
2: care of. So not allowing unmonitored access
0: to the descendant's home. Very good. Number two, sure. So number two is basically um, assuming that everyone's going to want the same thing as you, not, not necessarily tangible items, but as far as the desires go, right? So generally, a will or the, the you know the the intestate default law will outline how assets pass upon uh, the death of a decedent. Um, However, you know, I can give you an example. Let's say that there are three children and you know, mom and dad both pass away and there's one house. Well, one of the, the siblings has been living in the house with mom and dad forever, uh, but the will says everything gets split three ways. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing with that child that resides in the house? Are they, are they getting kicked out? Are we, I mean some, two of the siblings already have their own houses presumably, So, you know, and they want cash. So one of the options is to sell the house and kick the one sibling to the road and split the cash three ways. The other option is to, you know, you could do do a family based mortgage, which is an interesting uh, open ended mortgage type deal situation. There, Um, have the one sibling buy the other two out, which obviously has an interest in real estate. So long story short, just because you know you as a beneficiary want certain things a certain way. That's not necessarily the fact pattern for the other beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bottom line is, there's a lot of different ways to to handle these situations, or what's the saying? There's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? Um, but it takes coordinating with a you know a reputable attorney to kind of figure these out because you know you're not going to do a, a state based you know family mortgage uh, on a fly by night website. It's not going to happen. Um, but those are always your options. And there's a lot of creative ways to handle (laughs) situations like that, that I've outlined. And frankly, those, I I can think of three estates I'm handling right now that have those three separate, um, issues with the real estate that we've done those three separate strategies. I'm thinking that probably is a common occurrence. is Sure. Especially, yeah. Especially in Western PA, one of the children moves home to take care of mom and dad and they pass away and they sell their house and, they have nowhere to go and you know there's other siblings out there or other beneficiaries out there and i mean they want what's coming to them because that's fair under the under the documents mm-hmm. and that's what mom or dad would have wanted but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you can't you, you can't get cash out of a house automatically you know, you right. know what i mean so that's right. that's a very Common example
2: okay, a very very important thing to work out and think about beforehand and not afterward okay what 's number three
0: number three is failing to communicate uh, with the beneficiaries or heirs of the estate so this is basically if you're, you know, you 're the the appointed child or or even loved one um, who is the named executor uh, in an in estate you know there are certain requirements under the law and the rules of court in which the beneficiaries have to receive certain notices. You know, or even if you're not a beneficiary, if you're a disinherited person, you are so entitled to receive some types of notices in certain situations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By not following these court rules or these statutes, um, that puts you as the executor in a precarious situation um, and you might you – know, if, if you're dilatory, the court may have grounds to remove you. So I mean, once again, where I see this often is someone passes away, and you know, uh, a, a executor uh, or a personal representative wants to do this process on the cheap. They don't hire an attorney, and they they you know go th- go to Google or wherever, and they they, they figure out <laughs> what do I'm what am I supposed to do, and um, they fail in giving the proper notices, which is it's not okay. And there are also timelines that are involved as well, uh, and there are also notices uh, you know. To – uh actually strike that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Say so they're also – They're also notices to creditors, which I guess is the fourth. So there's also notices to creditors that have to be given, which kind of ties in nicely to the fourth mistake, which is properly handling creditors. Um, Pennsylvania has a statute that details the order of priority in which people get paid. Um, so whenever you uh, basically die and you have debt – uh, there are certain categories in which that debt falls. Now, I'm not going to sit here and recite that because that would be kind of boring. But the bottom line is there is, a, there is a statute on point. So if you pay, for instance, credit card debt before you pay the funeral director or the you know, possibly the medical bills, that's illegal. And uh, if you run out of money, uh, you know you as the executor or you as the personal representative would be held liable and potentially something called surcharge, meaning the court imposes a fine against you to pay that creditor in the correct priority. Well, the question then is, well, how do I know how to pay these individuals or these creditors in the right priority? Well… There's a friendly lawyer on the other end of this microphone that could help mm-hmm. you out with that. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good idea for me sitting here, right? Exactly. Uh, that you'd want to get that. So, again, no one who is not a lawyer would be expected to know this information, and and, and uh, you're right. You don't want to go and Google it.
0: Well, you not say, only that, that uh, so the, this this process is different for every, every single state. of the fifty states. This yeah. is not a federal process. This is all state right. specific. Um, it's in, in laws change. So and also the other thing is this, this is our job. It's not necessarily yours as the executor. You may only lose you know lose a loved one or be executor once in your life. Well that's you know maybe a one year period that you have that job, but then you're gonna go on with your daily activities. So hiring a professional that does this every day makes sense. Absolutely does. Okay,
2: uh we're speaking with Jay Hagerman and Dan Reimer. They are from Abernathy and Hagerman and the website is a H dot law, that's A hyphen H dot law, 412 486 6624 is the telephone number. I'll repeat that information a
0: little later on. And today we're covering the top 10 probate mistakes. So, number five basically uh, kind of goes along with um, the situation with the creditors, uh, and that's distributing the assets too soon. Um, obviously, the probate process can take up to a year. Uh, And sometimes even over that, depending on the the certain types of assets. And I also understand that most people have their own bills to pay and they, you know, they want their money now. I I get that, but that's just not the process. I didn't design it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Call Harrisburg. But in any (laughs) event, um, if the executor or the administrator of the estate distributes money to the beneficiaries earlier than they should be and other creditors pop up, then what would happen is there's an old saying, it's hard to get the horse back in the barn, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then that means you'd have to go to your beneficiaries and you'd have to re- request nicely a prorated refund. But what if that money is already spent? Well, then those creditors, once again, have a lawsuit against you and a judge could essentially fine you with a process called surcharge to make you pay them out of your pocket. So if you get the horse out of the barn too soon, right, then... Uh, then you could be liable for or be on the hook for whatever's owed to any creditors that pop up. So there's there's you know the period of statute limitations is pretty important. Once again, how do you know what that is? Well <laughs> you meet with you consult a lawyer. Jay, there you go.
2: So if you are the executor or administrator of an estate and after the death has occurred, before you do anything you need to contact your attorney. Hopefully in this case you
0: well, sure. I mean, you know, you want to talk to the
2: before you pay any bills.
0: Yeah, you don't want to pay any bills, and you also want to have you know talk to the funeral director and talk to your you know your lawyer. Um, and once again, that kind of goes into number six, which the number six top mistake for the probate process is is waiting to get started for years. You know, generally, I like to meet with clients within the first uh, month of, of passing, and the reason why is our lovely state imposes a death tax called Pennsylvania inheritance tax, um, and. This is not like a a federal guideline where it's an April 15th deadline. This is specific to the decedent's date of death. The inheritance tax tax is due nine months from the date of death of the decedent. However, uh, Harrisburg gives us a little bit of a, a bonus here if we make a payment. So not filing the return, they just want their money, right? So if we make a payment within three months of the date of passing, we get a little bit of a discount or credit back. So once again, if we wait for... If we, wait, if we wait for a year to even get the ball rolling, we've already missed the, uh, the mm-hmm. discount date. We've also had three months of interest running on the tax that's ultimately owed because they do charge interest per day after the nine-month period. So waiting to get started is a very big problem um, you know, for, for many people. So I would say at least within the first month, you want to really meet with an attorney uh, just to get your bearings. Okay. This is all kind of mind-boggling from my perspective. It's
2: like, you know, I just sit here kind of with my jaw dropping on some of the stuff <laughs> that I never thought about. You know? But wait,
0: there's more. <laughs> I bet there is.
2: I know there are at least, what, four more. Yeah. So we're uh, doing the top ten probate mistakes, and uh, Jay is going through the list
0: now. So are we on number seven? Yeah, we are. Okay. Yeah. So once again, number seven is, is, you know, not filing the required tax returns and tax forms with the proper values. Um the way that it works typically, I mean, most most families are generally kind of the same. There's generally real property, maybe a vehicle, some retirement accounts. But the way that it works is Pennsylvania, as we said, imposes a death tax. And that is what we call an incohate lien. And that's our word for the day, I guess. But incoate means unrecorded lien. So you're not, you're not necessarily going to have something on the docket or, or something that's discoverable. But by the nature of, of someone passing, that creates a lien on their real property. The way that that lien is cleared is by filing a Pennsylvania inheritance tax return and, and getting a notice back from the Department of Revenue saying that it's essentially cleared. Um, so once again, if we're selling real estate, we can't give good title to mom or dad's house to the buyer if we have a, a lien on the property. Right. So that, that creates an issue. The other thing is this, um, you know, within nine months, that, that lien is going to keep compounding interest every day. Uh, it's a small amount, but once again, it's it still you know has that issue. Also, most people well, this is another big mistake. Most people think, if I own the house jointly with Mom and Dad, if my name's on the deed as well, I don't owe anything. Well, you actually do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you you. you. you owe half.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the bottom line is in order to clear that lien, it needs to be taken care of. Also, you know, the one thing I will caution if, I, if, if any of the, the real estate flippers out there are listening, um, inheritance tax liens are not divested at sheriff sales. So they don't go away because you get a free and clear sheriff sale certificate. Inheritance mm-hmm. tax liens do not get divested at sheriff sales. So I have a number of uh, people who deal with real estate that uh, developers that I, I work for clearing inheritance tax lien from sheriff sales. Okay, another
2: thing to think about.
0: Yep, for those people. Number eight is not discussing the plans uh, with your with the other type of I guess vendors or the other partners that, that carry them out. What, what that, that kind of means is this. Let's say that, you know, mom or dad had a financial advisor and they had an IRA with them and the financial advisor is supposed to, you know, split the IRA a couple of different ways and, and, and stuff like that. So we get to the end of the, the probate process and all of a sudden this IRA still hasn't been handled. Um, you know, sometimes the left hand needs to know what the right hand's doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, typically, at least in our office, we coordinate with all of the Those third-party individuals, whether it's a bank or whether it's a a financial advisor or a brokerage house or whatever it is, life insurance company typically is out there, or individual stocks that are held, Um, we coordinate with everything so that we make sure that every third party has its marching orders and it's all working to coordinate, um, I guess, the wealth uh, toward the beneficiaries. So a big mistake is not having that coordination, and it can be burdensome, as you can imagine, trying to marshal all of these assets to where they're supposed to go without a coordinated effort.
2: Well, the person who is the executor of, of the estate, boy, it, it really does sound like a big job, or it can be a big job. And I can't imagine doing it without the, the help of somebody like yourself. So what is your advice, then, in this, like, when? you said within a month to uh, contact your attorney and get the ball rolling and figure out what needs to be done. Will they tell you everything or do you need to do study beyond
0: that and, and learn how all of this works and yeah, become so a, t- almost a lawyer or an attorney yourself? <laughs> how to- well, typically what happens is, we, you know, whenever some a client meets with me in the office, I go over the 30,000 foot overview and I I outline and I say, listen, there's there's, here's the deadlines. Here's what has to be done. But a lot of the stuff, um, I, I make an analogy to, of course, the movie The Wizard of Oz, right? And let's kind of go there for a second because my staff has heard me say this thousands of times. Um remember the part of the movie where the, the four main characters are going to the Emerald City and they see the, the wizard there with, you know, the fireballs are blowing everywhere and, and they're you know, kind of scared and shaking and timid. And then the, the little dog Toto goes behind and, and pulls the curtain and there's a little fat guy behind the curtain pulling the levers and he says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, I, I tell the client that I'm the little fat guy behind the curtain and I'm making <laughs> sure that everything is, uh, you know, being taken care of so that um, the client doesn't have to worry about that. There's a lot lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes and in the what we call the back office that it's literally, you know, once you hire us or any law firm for that matter, they should take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have a process. We've been doing this. I mean, I do this all day, every day. <laughs> right. Uh, for And I've helped thousands of families in my career. So um, this is just a process that we stick to. We we detail to the, the clients and even the beneficiaries if they want to be there, the, the process, the timelines, the goals. And, and manage expectations accordingly uh, it can be overwhelming um, I've had tears and I've had hugs uh, it's an emotional process um, especially when you're dealing with personal effects of the the deceit and that's not lost on us at all I, I also you know will say um, because of the nature of what we do and because of the the intent and the care we place on it um, you know we're not this is not something that's uh, that any lawyer can just pick up and handle uh, there are certain requirements as to each schedule of the tax return there are certain rules of court that must be followed it 's just like anything else if you're you know if you get if you have a, a brain hemorrhage and you need to go to a brain surgeon you're you know you 're probably not going to go to your your primary care physician first and you know mm-hmm. right <laughs> to get surgery right uh, you know you don 't want to go to a generalist you want to go to a specialist um, and you, or you want to go to someone who really focuses on that type of stuff. So we focus on this type of process. Uh, and as I said, I've handled this process mm-hmm. for many families in my career.
2: Okay. So estate planning and trusts and elder law, that's your area.
0: That's our ballot wick. Okay.
2: <laughs> and it's uh, very comforting to know that you're getting those things taken care of by having an attorney like this that will help you wade through all this unfamiliar territory. We're not done with the list, though, yet of the top ten probate mistakes. What's number nine?
0: Number nine is – so once we've gotten through all of the, the processes that I kind of just detailed, I, uh, I typically see individuals who kind of try to do this on their own. They, they They don't know, so they don't file the appropriate documents with the court to close the docket out. Well, what happens then? Well, they'll get a nice little I love you letter from a judge saying if you don't do certain things, you're going to be in front of me and you have to explain to me on the record why you haven't done certain things. Mm. That's not a fun letter to receive. No. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that we handle, of course, is um, is, is preparing those documents to close out the docket um, and to make sure that you don't get a, a nasty gram from the court essentially uh, requiring you to, to file certain things. Um, the other thing is, is is just handling certain creditors and and if, it, if the estate is contentious, what we have to do is file something called a final account, which basically details all of the ingress and egress of the money uh, and the assets and when they came in and where they went and where they're going. That can be relatively burdensome too um, and you know not all families get along <laughs> yeah so sometimes it's important to really uh, to depend on you know the professionals to create this account. So that we can defend that account and, and, and know to the penny where everything went during the course of the administration so the executor doesn't get in trouble.
2: Okay. Good advice as well. Now, you're listening to Jay Hagerman speak. He's from Abernathy and Hagerman. Also, we have Dan Reimer on the uh, program. Hi, Dan. Hi, Gary. <laughs> okay. Well, we're in uh, Jay's kind of uh, area of expertise That's here. Right. And, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Dan's being patient there, and uh, we appreciate uh, him, him coming here and being with us as well. The phone number is 412-486-6624, and the website is a law. So we've gone through this list almost top ten probate mistakes. I guess we're on number ten.
0: Yeah, number ten is kind of a, a no brainer in the sense that I've been hinting at it the whole time, if not deliberately saying it. And that is, um, you know, really handling this process by yourself is, in my opinion, a kind of a mistake. Uh, at least not trying to consult with with a professional. Uh, the reason why is you can subject yourself and your personal assets to liability. We talked about surcharge. Um, and also, I'll, I'll just be frank with the listeners. I've gotten to know them over the course of at least two years now. Um, and this is generally true with most areas of law. It costs more to fix something than to do it right the first time. Mm. So the approach we generally take is the measure twice, cut once approach. And, I mean, if we, if we start the process out and, and – go through line by line the way that the, the process should be done, it's a lot easier and cheaper for the client than us coming in the middle and then trying to clean up some of the, the pitfalls that have occurred prior mm-hmm. just because of lack of knowledge. Um, once again, it's there's nev- normally never any nefarious intent, and it's certainly not the, the client intentionally trying to um, you know, do anything bad. It's just they're probably trying to do it a little bit to save money, well, frankly, I've been doing this long enough to tell you that for me to come in midway or towards the end to fix stuff is going to end up costing you more money than mm-hmm. it otherwise would, and that's just and that's probably true for many areas of law yeah. uh, that I've seen. What do you think, Dan?
1: It's absolutely true on the estate planning side. I see work of other lawyers and uh, clients come to me and say, "Can can you fix it?" And my gut tells me I don't want to fix someone else's mess, right? Mm-hmm. I can create a new plan for you and it will be better, but I'm not going to take on the liability of uh, of some sub subpar work mm-hmm. and, and fix this. Let's just start from scratch. And I will say about Jay too, he's not one to boast, but clients love Jay because I think Jay provides the balance of the legal technical with just an ability to communicate in a very, very... Comforting level, I see clients walking out of jay 's office, and I can tell just by the look on their faces and their shoulders are a little a little lower that he has really just helped them feel better about the process and uh, as he said, this, we, you know we help clients because we care about clients jay 's a, a Hampton guy, his firm 's in Hampton, he grew up in Hampton, and though I grew up in a in a different part of the north hills, we, we really envision our firm as a firm that 's just designed to be a neighborhood firm neighborhood resource um, with a goal and a desire to just help as many people as we can. Well, you
2: both have uh, shown that you really have a passion for this, (laughs) and and you do care. Lawyers get a really bad rap sometimes, some of it perhaps (laughs) well-deserved, so do uh, people in my business for that matter. But you guys actually do have a – you really do care about these topics, and that's why you specialize in these things. There's, yeah,
0: I couldn't imagine doing anything else. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, we appreciate your time uh, with us today, telling us the uh, top ten probate mistakes. So, allowing unmonitored access to a uh, descendant's home. A uh, let's see, number two was assuming everyone will want the same things you do. Number three, failing to communicate with beneficiaries and heirs of the estate. Number four was failing to properly handle creditors. Uh, Five was distributing assets too soon. Six was waiting to get started for years. Seven was not filing the required tax forms or forgetting date of death values. Number eight, not discussing plans with those who carry them out. Nine, forgetting to submit a closing accounting or status report. And ten, trying to handle the administration yourself. Good advice. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. We appreciate uh, our gentlemen, Jay Hagerman and Dan Reimer, showing up again for BizBerg. This program is sponsored by Abernethy and Hagerman, LLC. And we'll see you next time on BizBerg.